You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership, Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk with leaders of all ages and stages about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. And today I am so excited. I have a very special guest in a very special setting. We're going to talk about that today. And his name is Matt Mosier. So let me tell you a little bit about Matt. So Matt and his high school sweetheart, Ashley, they started a real estate investing company in one of the worst recessions in U.S. history, right? That's always the best time to start a business. Absolutely. Well, and they have two lovely daughters and the whole family enjoys music and traveling. Matt's purpose is to develop relationships through business and personal interactions every day. You heard the word purpose, the P word. And those of you that listen and those of you that were in my Spark course, you know a name, Kevin McCarthy. Those of you that have bought his little booklet, Tough Shift, already always know uh, Kevin McCarthy with the two word purpose. So Matt was connecting with Kevin and then he saw that Matt had a life is tremendous book. We'll tell you some more things, but that's how Matt and I connected. And then I invited Matt to be on our podcast. We're going to talk about his real estate book, but also Matt shared with me some things about my father and his interaction when Kevin saw his life is tremendous on the bookshelf. So Matt, we go way back. We just haven't met each other yet. Correct. Yeah. So 20 years ago, which seems makes me feel very old. And that I'm sure that makes other people feel old as well. When you start saying 20 years ago, um, I was 19 years old and I got to meet your father in person just for a few hours. And it was one of the most impactful evenings full of fun and all sorts of things. And actually, a friend of mine that was also there reminded me that one of your siblings did this long Shakespearean quote of some sort yeah, in the was, library at your parents' house. Who's name and Jeff? Was he quoting scripture? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Okay. It's hard to tie all this together <laughs> so long ago. But anyway, yeah, just, I mean, he made us put on silly hats and just, he was loving life and it was pure fun and we were just being goofy. And I don't know if you want me to sing that song or not. But <laughs> Charles in the three therapies, one of his therapies is music. Charles was very, very musical. He knew four chords, but he could play any instrument. I mean, it was, he played the trombone, the banjo, the piano, the guitar. I mean, I just, the trumpet, it was just unbelievable. But he would say, let's have another cup of coffee and let's have another piece of pie. So those of you listeners out there that were in the house, this to sing one of them. Yeah, all because of this book, Life is Tremendous. And then you read that as a young person, right? Absolutely. And it, it is one of my prized possessions. I have the old school uh, leather bound burgundy one and it's on my bookshelf and yeah i try to revisit it every year too yeah well the reason we're here too when i connected with matt through kevin and knew about my father's connection matt who lives in north carolina north carolina said listen could we do this in person (laughs) and i'm like well that's cool because we have a tremendous library folks that's how i knew i was in love i looked at my husband's my betrothed library books and i said yeah that's a keeper. That's a keeper. Gorgeous. And so Matt drove up. So we are here in now the Jones Wheeler Library on leather sofas with a candle and books talking sure. about leadership. It doesn't get any better than That's this. Right. Doesn't that? John Burgundy would be proud. So real quickly, we are here to talk about this little gem, the price of leadership. And for those of you that have a red life, life is tremendous. My father also really talks about a lot of what, what entails leadership. And one of the things he talked about in the price of leadership is that um, you're going to have to be paying a price. 
Otherwise, you're going to be a wino, a leader in name only. Mm. And Matt, what we love about the podcast is we get to talk to people and hear, you know, about the stories of what it took them to pay the price. Sure. And the first price my dad talked about was loneliness. Sure. And we've all heard that. It's lonely at the top. Jesus was alone a lot of the times. But can you unpack what loneliness has meant to you as a leader? And maybe when you were in a season of loneliness and what you would recommend to our listeners? Sure. And I think at different stages in life and business, especially as an entrepreneur, there are versions of loneliness. I remember early on doing things that other people were not doing or willing to do. And that in and of itself felt like you were on an island. But I can remember specifically and. I might be crossing over into some of the other ones. Well, that's okay well. because they're all inter- interconnected. But I remember specific times where financially we were so, things had to work out so perfectly and it just incredibly stressful and so much so that I feel this is a little embarrassing, but I would lay on the floor and pray just that if this is what I was supposed to be doing. God would work it out somehow. And we want to think that we're strong and we bootstrapped our way to where we are today, but we've all had help, whether it be just encouragement or actual financial help or just someone that came along to assist us in our work. So that's very lonely. Not to stay too long, but sometimes we've done things to create freedom for ourselves. Well, most people don't have that freedom. And it's a catch-22 because you were happy that you created this freedom for yourself, your family. But it's a little lonely because everybody else is punching the clock. They're going to work nine to five. And, hey, do you want to grab lunch? Oh, I can't. I'm working there. And so you have to find those people that are also in your stage. And sometimes I find you know, I'm almost 40. Sometimes I eat breakfast with a bunch of retirees at a local diner. And I enjoy their company as well. But they're not necessarily peers of mine. So a little bit on an island sometimes. Really interesting that you brought that sense of loneliness up, the entrepreneurial loneliness. You do get the freedom, but like you said, not a lot of other people. Yeah. I can remember when we got married three and a half years ago, we got married on a Monday mm-hmm. and people were like, why'd you pick that? I'm like, because we're all entrepreneurs. <laughs> we can get married any day of the week. Yeah. And so it's just interesting for people out there. Those of you that are a lot of our listeners are at the stage of their life where they're making the transition, that entrepreneurial journey. And it's phenomenal, but it's a freedom that you pay the price to do. Yeah, it's great. But you can't lament about your same work struggles when you say, oh, yeah, this is the worst. People don't really should be talking on only the negatives. Right. (laughs) Charles would always say that. You can work for somebody else or you can work for yourself. Those are your choices. But as long as you work for somebody else, and I think you're going to talk about, you're going to kind of hit that wall for aspirations. The goal is we all want the freedom to serve in our best capacity. And you can only really do that when you're the boss. I mean, you can do it in other areas. I did it for many years with somebody else, but always had that longing to kind of break out and do my own thing if you have that lesson. So for our listeners out there, a lot of you are making the transition. So hang in there because people look at you and say, are you sure you want to do this? There's no that. There's no stuff. And I'm like, I know, but I'll take the entrepreneurial stress over the bureaucratic stress any day. Yeah. I do think people think you are, I don't know, different, which, which is what we like. But at the same time, it's... Yeah. It's different. I guess. <laughs> we might be a different. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I live in Austin, right? Keep Austin oh, weird. Keep Tracy weird. That's <laughs> We're not I'm, like everybody else. I'm already doing that. All right. So that's loneliness. Uh, the next topic you talked about is weariness. Sure. And, you know, you 
was starting this company in the midst of when the bottom was tanking out. I remember that. I remember mm-hmm. getting off the plane coming home when I was working in St. Louis and just seeing the market had collapsed and thinking, oh, dear Lord, I've got a house in the market. I'm coming back to run the business. Why am I choosing to be an entrepreneur at this horrific time frame? So weariness, and then you've got family and raising kids. So Matt, how do you stay in tip-top? Well, I do my best. So I think a lot of times this is going to sound oversimplified. I like to nap. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) My Jones siblings, bigger than napping. Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. That's funny. If I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed, it's odd because you can let your mind wander towards the negative and you can feel it, start to feel it physically. And sometimes I just need to put the phone away. Let me close my eyes for half an hour. If it goes past half an hour, then it's no good. Yes. Set a quick timer. Yeah, absolutely. Terry, too. You could get a 15-minute nap. I mean, that was was perfect. Yeah. And I am. So I'm a big golfer. I love love to play golf, play a few times a week. We actually live on a golf course. So that's another way that I de-stress. And although golf can cause stress a different kind. Sometimes, but yeah, those two things and obviously faith, but that's such an easy cliche answer for a believer. There's a lot of praying in there, but reading is another big one because it, it shifts your focus from the weary side of just focusing on why is this happening? Why wouldn't this person do this? Or why am I the only one? It's a very internal selfish look and picking up a book that we like to read, which is like, have a self-help book problem, but picking one of those up turns it into like an actionable step. So, okay, well, let's get our head out of the sand here. And let's, once you take one step forward, it's really easy to take the next one. Right. And I know a lot of these things are repeats of what a lot of people say, but I mean, it's true. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just... Well, truth is timeless. And what worked for Adam and Eve, it's the same. Everybody's dealt with it. But I love that you talk about weariness. A lot of it is... There's good weariness, but then there's a lot of self-imposed weariness. Yeah. And that self-focus, when you get inside yourself, that's the beginning of the spiral down. And a book will help you stop looking, get off yourself, look at something else. And that's bibliotherapy. Books are wonderful therapy. And so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. All right. Loneliness, weariness, ready? Abandonment. Oh, boy. And we hear about fear of abandonment. We hear about abandoning animals. I'm in help rescue. That's never good. But dad talked about it as... We need to stop thinking about what we like and want to think about and right. what we ought and need to think about. So we abandon what's easy. We abandon our comfort zone. We abandon the things that are not highest and truest value, yeah. be it a bad habit, be it just watching Netflix for five hours a day, unless you earn that right. right. And we really get hyper-focused. So how, because uh, I'm sure all entrepreneurs, mm. we like new ideas. <laughs> we can do a, watch 100 businesses a day. Right. But how do you stay focused on what's next? Yes, I had a mentor in the real estate space specifically that called it uh, what's on your stop doing list. And that was always a challenge for me. And a lot of it's centered around negative thinking, or as you and Charlie would say, stinking thinking. That's definitely on the need to abandon list. And it creeps in so subtly. You don't realize that you're focused on it because a text message comes in from a tenant and it's negative and just spiral real quick. It can happen really quickly. But I think interesting when you talk about building relationships, which is solely my focus, I've gotten to a point where my bills are paid. 
can I focus on something at a more 30,000 foot view, which is the relationships behind all of these. It's very difficult when you're preaching relationship and building relationship to abandon relationships also on purpose. And it seems so backwards. So I feel like when I'm talking about this, some certain people come to mind and maybe as you're hearing it, someone comes to mind with who you need to release yourself. And I saw your boundaries book on the Henry cloud. Oh, I read that. My favorites. Still something I'm constantly working on, but there are some relationships that are very damaging to your goal, to even your, just your general psyche. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for me because I'm like, well, I don't want this to be failing because of me. But at the same time, some people just are life suck. They, and so that's a really tough one to abandon someone on purpose. And you're not sure that if, if you verbalize the whole thing, if you spelled it out for that person, it probably would fall on deaf ears. And so you want to remain impactful and keep that bridge there, but it's really hard sometimes to release those relationships. So that is something that I think about often. And it makes me sad a little bit. It's sad. Yeah. And not everybody has the ears to hear. Yeah. And some people, no matter what, they have the scales on their eyes and they don't have the ears to hear and their heart is hard. And until they make that choice or in spirit grasp, it's just they have to get to that space. And Bob Eric told me that he's like, Tracy, you're responsible to people, not for people. Right. So as long as you give them truth and love, um, sometimes you're going to have to because nothing's going to change. Yeah. And you have other things you have to go. Yeah. A higher calling. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we were talking about abandoning certain thoughts and things yes. that would be helpful for us, but sometimes it is a person. Well, there's, yeah. <laughs> That's a heavy one. That's sometimes. <laughs> Work is fun. I have thought it was just me on this earth with my dogs and my books and my Bible. Yeah. It's the millennial kingdom. That's and then I'm like, but people, um, Charles and I say, my problem isn't keeping myself motivated. My problem is keeping other people from being motivated. That's true. So he was such a realist and he loved people. Like, but he also understood, you know, I love people, but people feel that way too. Really good about that. All right. So loneliness, weariness, abandonment, of course, because you're in the relationship business, that would yeah. be really, really what you're dialing in. Yeah. You know, even if it's maybe a client that is sort of high needy or, I mean, I do the same thing. That my thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell them this, everything we do from whether you're publishing with me or hiring me to suit, it should be fun and joyful. Yeah. Not with that, it's challenging. Right. But if it's not, something's we're not meant to be you in right. his capacity. Absolutely. And we've all had a you know a business relationship that we've had to sever. Yeah. And that's it. The people you want to spend your time with, it should be effortless. It should be easy. And you know, you do have to work at it. Sometimes you have family members, no one's thinking about anyone specific. <laughs> you have family members sometimes that you have to you're in a relationship whether you like it or not. So Bored into it. Yep, you got it. All right. So loneliness, weariness, abandonment. And the last topic you talk about was vision. And we know in Proverbs, uh, it's a biblical perspective of where there is no vision, the people perish. And I think growing up, your father was a minister. So we grew up around a lot of people that like were very godly and wise and discerning. And so I always thought, well, they're just kind of born like that. But my dad would always tell me vision is really just seeing what needs to be done and doing it. So it was a very, oh, I can have vision too. It kind of brought it down to me versus looking at a Henry Cloud or Ogmandina or Zig Ziglar. It's like, no, everybody has their vision. So how do you hone your vision, especially with what's next, especially the the market? My goodness, talk about 
best years, worst years, best oh, years. Yeah. How do you keep a vision crafting? Yeah, that's a million dollar question. And I don't know if this is the time to, to talk about the what happens when you actually do what you set out to do. Let's bring it. And that's where you feel like, okay, I had this vision. I had this purpose. And I heard you talk about that when you were in the military and then changed careers. Like you had this and major job. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's what he was talking about. And, and he had to transition into an entrepreneur. But it, he had that couple of years of what he felt like were floundering. And I went through that work for nine years towards a goal. And it was a several pronged goal, but one of them was to be out of debt, except for things attached to real estate. And that felt like just a huge weight off my shoulder. And one was to have the freedom to play golf and to do things while my children were at school. And that all seemed so great, but I felt so empty, which is not how I envisioned that. But that vision was, you're going to feel just the weight of the world is off your shoulders and now you can keep moving forward. And that's when I had to surround myself with other like-minded individuals. And so that helps continue to craft a vision and focus. We've talked about how I may or may not have an attention deficit problem or gift, let's call it. (laughs) And so shiny object syndrome, I could make money in real estate doing this and this and this and this. And I have lots of friends who are agents and they make their living doing that. But that was not my path. And I had, once I got focused, I made such giant strides. And so I think the vision now is the living is at least taken care of for now. And we continue to look at the market as it goes up and down. Like you said, it's, it seems to be at its all time high recently. And so that leaves less room for my deals. But at the same time, there's still things out there. There's still people that need help. And if we start to focus and craft a vision centered around people and relationships, it's weird how everything kind of falls into place. Yeah, because the market will be hot, the market will be cold, but there will always be people in need and yeah. looking for somebody to, to be their miracle or yeah. to help them. And it's very encouraging to be able to continue to plot forward in different markets. And I see mm-hmm. friends that have come in really hot and they've done really well and I'm excited for them. And then all of a sudden that they've checked out, they're selling all their things and they're getting another job. And Clearly, that was not their end goal and their purpose, or they were maybe a little bit misguided. And that's where I feel like surrounding myself with folks like yourself that are constantly reminding me, hey, Matt, you're over here a little bit. Let's pull that in. That's so powerful. And if I'm around folks who are just yes people, that's not going to happen. And if I'm around negative Nancys, that's not going to happen. No offense to anyone named Nancy, (laughs) but just negative personalities. So surrounding ourselves with good people helps keep that vision focused. Because people think once you have the vision, but then it's just it like, changed. Uh, like flying. You know, you get turbulence or you got to divert or something in life happens. So it's a vision is a living, moving thing. But you have to keep doing it. Now, when you say you're like-minded individuals, do you have a group? We all, everybody in here knows about the power of mastermind groups and, and having that core, a core to three strands is not easily broken. Do you have a particular group of people in the business or do you meet with like a Vistage or a Convene or how do you, do you have a coach? I have had coaches in the past. Entrepreneurship is different mm-hmm. seemingly and each business is different. I know there are principles around it, but there are a few people in my life that understand what's going on. And one of my great buddies from college, he's a developer down in the Greenville, South Carolina area. We stay connected. 
another friend of mine who's he actually drives a monster truck for a living. He drives, he goes on those big tours uh, with Monster Jam and flies the twelve thousand pound machine thirty feet in the air. And but he he's written a book about these very topics and how to how to stay focused. So there are things that we've kind of developed our own mastermind. We're working on formalizing it and taking trips and things of that nature and bringing our families as a good way to just kind of remain focused, but we're all believers mm-hmm. and that's very big as well. Mm-hmm. So my answer is no and yes, we're building one. Yeah, no, I can relate and kind of mine's more informal like yours, yeah. but the good news is, you know, I've been in, it kind of depends where you're at. As you said, I've worked for Fortune 100 companies yeah. and I'm a solopreneur So and everything in between. So it really depends. Your group should match kind of the challenges. You know, are you going to be dealing with unions or lawsuits or just you uh, honing your focus and like you said, value congruence. Yeah. You want to make sure if you're with people that are you know, have a shared world, which is our faith. Yeah. So it's really important once you get that, you get that value congruence and that synergy. So I think that's a great point for our entrepreneurs, especially if you're transitioning out of something bigger. You know, like Major General Don Gronsky, you know, talked about, you know, in the military, it was a very unique camaraderie. But then when you come out of that yeah. and, oh my gosh, we're not all in the club in uniform together anymore, telling war stories and yeah. working it all out. I'm just Joe civilian now. So it's, you got to remain based on where you are, your group. And I think you did a great point illustrating that. We've heard often you are like the top five people that you hang around, right? Jim Rohn said that. Yes, that was it. And so I've consistently tried to raise the bar, if that makes sense, without leaving folks and friends behind. But where are the people doing what I want to do? Yes. And I think your dad said that in his book, don't you believe in talking things over? Yes, I do. I believe in talking things over with people who have done what I want to do. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I mean, absolutely. So one of the ways I can do a lot of that by through camaraderie and through the golf community, people that play golf often have disposable income. And so that's initially why we moved into our area that is a golf community and country club and might sound, I'm not sure how it sounds elitist, but I've worked my way up there. I I didn't do anything. It wasn't just how I was born. Not that that matters. I think you use all the advantages that have been given you, use that as a springboard. Right. Righteous use of wealth. Yes. Mm -hmm. And just trying to, to be a good steward so that I can get my head out of the clouds and find some needs in there. And that's, that's a really easy thing to say. And it's harder to to do when you're staring at your checkbook. But that is a constant reminder, too. And I like to surround myself with generous friends as well. Mm. So it's a moving target, work in progress. I haven't figured it out, but I'm trying. I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of people, we get in the entrepreneurial space because we want to make money so we can bless others with it. Yeah. And like you said, let's be honest. Entrepreneurs, you better get used to writing from your, your own business. It happened to dad, even though he was in the top 25, it's happened to me. And I'm like, Lord, I just want so I can shovel it out and give it away. But it is that beautiful yearning, but also realization that it's parable to talents. We're going to work to invest what God's given us, but it's up to him what comes in and it's all his anyway. So it kind of takes the stress out of it a little bit. And to have it really can test your faith because Uh there are plenty of times where I've said, oh, I don't have this to give. And really is, did I prioritize? It's really where it was at. So it is. Well, that's, and it's what you value is what you love. 
And uh, yeah, that, that's excellent. So, and the, as a landlord, we say people buy what they want and beg for what they need. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, and sometimes it's true. You don't need to be spending money on this stuff. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What do you need? Right. What do you want? That's our distinction. When you yeah. didn't have, now you have. What are you going to prioritize? Yeah. So. I hear that. All right. Well, Matt, thank you. We covered loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. Anything else you'd like to talk about? Because I want to hear about that from a leadership perspective that you'd like to share with our listeners about paying the price of leadership. Sure. Something um, else you heard from life is tremendous you want to share. I never quite understand leaders who have an air about them does not include humbleness. Some of the most gracious, powerful leaders that I've ever met have been some of the most down-to-earth, humble folks that I've ever met. Man, it's easy when you feel like you've done the thing to not say, hey, I've done the thing. Look at this. And so I feel like humility has to play a part in it because anyone who's truly a leader knows that they had a mentor and a lot of what they've learned are through mistakes. I mean, I talk about that in the beginning of this. I have a whole chapter dedicated to <laughs> massive mistake I made. Love it. Yeah, it's called the house from hell, isn't it? <laughs> and it truly felt like it during that time. But yeah, humility. How can we, as part of the threads that that hold us together? So, did you ever read the, the poem "The Indispensable Man"? It if if you haven't, oh, I mean, that'll really. Uh, but the bottom line is, memorize. The bottom line is. You think you're indispensable. You're the brightest when you come into the room and your ego's in bloom. Here's how it really works. Put your hand in a bucket of water and then pull it out. And the mark that's left is how much you'll be missed. Mm. And the moral of the story is not to make you feel like crap, (laughs) to let you know there's no indispensable man that, you know, just do the best that you can. Stay humble. Of course, in Christ, we are all loved by him. But in the end, we're all, we all go to dust. So there's this beautiful duality of, I'm everything in him. Yeah, I'm nothing. At the moment, you and I could evaporate tomorrow and the world will continue to go on. But all we can do is make it. And I'm sure you are indispensable to certain people that you have come in and helped find a home. My father was indispensable to you because of the impact he had on you. Yeah. But he never, we never get full of ourselves. Right. Like, oh, if, if somebody's not here, they're the tremendous legacy dies. No matter what happens, mm-hmm. it's going to go on because it's not about us. Right. Right. You know? Absolutely. And you hope, the hope is that the folks you've impacted will carry that on. But then again, it's still not about you. Well, so, I mean, yeah. He's like, don't you dare talk about me. It's like, whatever, dad. I'm going to talk about you. But it was all about, it was called, it's all about Jesus. Yeah. You had to talk about Christ because there was no way he was going to sit there because he was like, this is not what this is about. So we did both. <laughs> we talk it out more, hug it out more and have it together. But that's right. <laughs> did that. So can we talk about your book? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you kind of can see it a little bit here with the name. Tell them the name and so, uh it's called the book on relational real estate. It's very short, a short plane ride. And it's basically an overgrown children's book about people that had a unique situation surrounding a piece of property. And that sounds like you have a property, it's worth something. So how could that be a burden or whatnot? There are so many situations where it is the only anchor that has kept someone from moving on. It could could be surrounding death or relocation or, or something. They want to go be with family in another state. And this thing is, this one thing's holding them back. And so 
we ran into a bunch of unique situations over the years that no one was willing to just come pay these people cash for this. So we tried to fashion an offer that worked around their solution and create these win-win-wins, also a cliche in the entrepreneur world, but create a way to get them relief. And they know that we had to make some money in the process, but Mm -hmm. I'm not making it about like, oh, here comes this company that's so great and they saved me. It's like, no, these these are real people with real needs. Can we help? And then on the flip side, we've actually sold some homes to people who never thought that that was a possibility. You know, it is the American dream, right? To have something that is your own and it creates stability for your family. It's a tangible thing that holds a lot of intangible, you know, feelings and things of that nature. So everything in this, there's a thread that runs through it that is just about the people behind the stories. So it's very easy and fast. There are even some pictures in it just to make it a little bit more real. And we've got fun quotes from other authors and people that made impact in family's life. So the book on relational real estate. Excellent. They can pick it up on Amazon. Amazon. Yep. And paperback or hardcover, whatever your preference. Kindle even. Kindle. What about the house from hell? Can you tell oh, me? boy. I mean, yeah. I got the book. I, I know everybody's going great stories. Yes. So the house from hell was my second purchase in my investing career. I was 27 years old. And after I'd done my first one, I made a little bit of profit. So in my mind, 27 year old Matt, I already had a handle on this whole thing. I knew how it worked. So my realtor and I, we we did the same thing from the first one. And it turns out the area that I bought in and the particular house I purchased were not as good as I thought. (laughs) And so that included a lot of renovations and hiring the wrong contractor and him stealing money and lawsuits and all kinds of things. And that's how I accidentally stumbled into being a landlord for the first time. (laughs) and i also had some tent i don't want to be too mean but they were tenants from hell but the moral of house from hell is that it ended up turning out really well and i've got a good family in there after a while and they're still there they're purchasing the home from us over the past 10 years they're almost done with me they've hosted weddings at the quinceaneras uh, all kinds of parties and invited me to several of them so it has been a joy that started out as an absolute tragedy. It's became the house from heaven. That's right. Great story. And, you know, leadership, the older I get, the more I finally learn and unlearn. Leadership is all relationships. Yeah. It isn't what you know. It's all. It's yeah. always going to be relational than right. And uh, that's the biggest lesson I've learned in 60 years of living. Yeah. And we can't know all the answers. And if you're honest with someone and say, I'm not quite sure I'll figure it out or would you mind helping me figure it out? That's powerful too. But I think our egos get in the way. We want people to think that we have it all put together. We look a certain way. We act a certain way. Yeah. We're figuring it out. We're learning. As Kevin says, uh, on purpose in progress in the beginning. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll put the links up to Kevin's book too, as well as yours. But Matt, just... Thank you so much. No, thank you very much. Yeah, I can't believe it. I don't know if we can do that.
absolutely not, Charlie. You know, we got <laughs> They dock my pay if I say I'm not tremendous or I don't hug people. Just thanks to listeners out there. Thanks for asking and saying, hey, yeah. can you come up? Because this is pretty cool. Anybody wants to travel to South Central PA? <laughs> come on now. We figured out the lighting. Hopefully this sounds okay. And, yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. We're just excited. So Matt and I are going to take them over to the warehouse load them up with some books because that's a tremendous way. That's you right. got to get some cases of books. Not for you, but for no, you to give away. <laughs> and everybody, just pick up a copy of The Price of Leadership. A wonderful, quick little read. And to our tremendous listeners out there, remember, you'll be the same person five years from now that you are today, except for two things. The people you meet and the books you read. So make sure they're both tremendous. If you like what you heard, please hit the subscribe button. Do us the honor of a share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit the... And we'd love it if you'd leave us a review. Reviews are really important. If you get Matt's book too, be sure and leave a review of that. And everybody out there, thanks for being part of the tremendous legacy and keep on paying the price of leadership. Take care. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>